This episode of Screen Talk is brought to you by Vimeo. By now, I hope you know that Vimeo has a bunch of amazing indie films you can watch on demand. I've recommended my favorites you can check out at vimeo.com slash IndieWire. If you're a filmmaker and want to sell your movie or series on Vimeo on demand, all you need is a pro account. You can set your own price, create promo codes, add bonus features, and there's that embeddable HD player with a purchase button, which means that people can buy and watch your film anywhere on the web. Vimeo only takes 10%, which is the best in the business. Go to vimeo.com slash start selling and use the promo code ERIC20 for 20% off Vimeo Pro. This week, because it's Halloween time, I'm recommending The Nightmare, Rodney Asher's terrifying documentary about sleep paralysis. You may remember Asher's last movie, Room 237. Here he compiles stories from sleep paralysis victims and recreates their horrific delusions before our eyes. It's one of the scariest documentaries I've ever seen, and perfect viewing for this spooky weekend. You can get 50% off the nightmare on Vimeo with the promo code ERIC20. But for now, on with the show. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the debut editor and chief film critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson in L.A. from Thompson in Hollywood. And last week we were talking a little bit about Beasts of No Nation, which had opened theatrically but also on Netflix at the same time. And one of our takeaways from that was that we couldn't really evaluate whether or not it was a success because we didn't know how well it was doing on Netflix. Well... That story has changed somewhat because Ted Sarandos from Netflix came out and said that more than 3 million people had watched it so far. So going back to some of the conversations we've had, specifically during awards season, about how to measure the success of a movie that's going for that sort of prestige and and that marketplace, how does this change the equation? It's interesting because a lot of people have been asking me that. You know, they want to know, and the answer is, I don't know. In other words, some Academy members have reached out to me to say that they saw it on Netflix and that they liked it, and the fact that it's a theatrical failure should not make, you know, taint the movie the way it would ordinarily taint them. In other words, it. The fact that it doesn't perform theatrically doesn't mean there isn't an audience for it or that people don't like it. It means that they can see it for their subscription, uh, within their subscription on, on, on Netflix, and so they're doing that. Um, and, and many, many Academy members are on, are on Netflix, but many of them are not, you know? So that's where it just becomes, you know, this is an untraditional movie getting an untraditional release. And also, I think it should be said that the movie is a beautiful, big scale cinematic movie that should be seen on the big screen and so it's a pity I think that so many people are seeing it um, on the small screen well conversely I think it also opens up a much bigger conversation about how many great movies are actually more successful than we usually realize because we're just so focused on figures that aren't really connected to the way that most people consume entertainment these days and Beast of No Nation doing 3 million views is pretty astounding when you think about what that movie is. It's a really difficult wartime drama, and it's gorgeous, I think, even on the small screen. And 
to that end, it should be seen on some level as a success, at least for the kind of Absolutely. success we talk about. No, and and I uh, the other thing that's interesting about this is that I think what it really shows is that if Netflix buys the right movie, even if they seem to overpay for it, because they paid $12 million for all world rights for this, um, if they buy the right movie they they can make a success of it in terms of the number of people that are, are they want more subscribers they want more people to sign up this is a sign that original programming can work and it it means that um they don't need theatrical <laughs> they don't need that at all and the only reason that it's there and ted sarandos understood that it was a loss leader he understood that he was going to lose money on it and 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 that was fine he did it for the filmmakers so that it would be eligible for oscars so I have no problem at all saying this is a successful movie, this is a new paradigm, go with God. Netflix can release movies on Netflix. They don't need theaters. The the question for me is the Oscar question, the question of perception, the question of how people, you know, uh, end up uh, looking at this movie. Is it is it, Are there going to be people in the Academy who just don't um, give it the kind of, of credibility because it's it's not the usual kind of ballyhooed, marketed, uh, you know, there's a campaign that goes with going for the Oscar that this movie doesn't seem to be playing in that, in those, in those, uh, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm saying, is it, is it going to be effective? Are they going to know what to do to get it to where it needs to be, to be an Oscar contender? And by the way, my original theory that Idris Elba would be the one who's going to get nominated. I stand by that. I think it's going to happen. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, I wonder if uh, if Steve Jobs had come out this way, a movie that's about technological innovation, if somehow that approach being melded to its release strategy would have synthesized better because some of the disconnect here is that, like you say, we're talking about a movie that really does work theatrically. The director has talked about it working best theatrically. And uh, when you're in a theater with this movie, it's a different kind of experience, and you're less likely to leave that experience than you are when you're sitting at home and could change over to Kimmy Schmidt or whatever your other Netflix options are at the moment. Or get interrupted by a phone call from your mother, as my daughter was last week. Right, going back to that. Yeah. So, I mean, it it means a lot of things on, on a lot of different levels, but I think more than anything else, what it means is that we should be seeing more transparency in these numbers, especially when it comes to movies that could actually benefit from this approach. I and, agree. Uh, that I would love to see that. You know that we both want that. Yeah, I mean, that transparency just seems to be a much smarter approach. The thing that's missing is we don't know how to quantify any of this stuff. I mean, is $3 million really great for a Netflix movie? If you do the math, apparently, you know, if you try to figure out what that would translate to in terms of the numbers, it's a very good number. It's bigger than a lot of movies. Um, And it's bigger than Steve Jobs. Let's not to put too fine a point on it. You know, Steve Jobs is is a movie that um, I still believe is going to be a strong Academy contender. I don't think the fact that it opened so disappointingly when it went wide. In other words, they took a platform release where it did perfectly well in a small number of theaters and then they went wide and it didn't do as well. It didn't come near. It was like in seventh place or something. Um, and it's, it turns out, yes, it's going to be an expensive movie that, you know, may not make its money back, but it's still a prestige picture. It's still well regarded. And I think it will, 
will still be, certainly for the actors um, and probably the director and the writer uh, in the race for, and, uh, for Best Picture as well. But that drop-off was just so extreme. It seems almost like people just weren't that interested around the country in hearing about Steve Jobs as much as they are taking advantage of his technology. I mean, it's... Well, I guess the question there is, is really, I think, what Amy Pascal at Sony recognized you know, perfectly well was that a very talky, dialogue-driven, interior you know, piece of theater, really, you know, um, uh, was going to be a difficult sell at the box office. And she was right. It was a terribly risky thing to do. And uh, I think she's going to be, um, you know, show. I mean, she can, she can sort of, you know, say, "I guess I was right." Now, you know, and but Don, again, Donna Langley at, at Universal was in a position to take that risk, and and they will still be able to have bragging rights if they get some some Oscar push. It was funny how the tenor of a lot of a lot of the stories I saw surrounding the the drop off on Steve Jobs had something to do with this this callback to. Uh, to Amy Pascal's hesitance to make the project get off the ground as if the, this was her revenge or something to, to see oh, it do well. I, I hardly, I think she was rooting for it to do well, actually, but I wouldn't say that. But it, it's, it was it, it, one of the reasons I love the movie, one of the reasons that I just cheer for this movie is that it's so daring and so unconventional and completely throws out a lot of the rules that the studios usually swear by. And that's one of the reasons I admire it. And, and that's the, one of the reasons why it's going to have a limited audience, honestly. It's, it's, a, it's a glorified art film. Well, I, I really like it. I saw it again when it came out in theaters. I do think it has flaws, and it doesn't work for everybody. And I can see some audiences in various other markets that aren't New York and L.A. not being completely over the moon with the way that this movie is put together. You know, that it's all a bunch of backstage chatter. It's very insidery. Uh, it's it's got that highbrow thing going for it on a certain it's level. It's pretty brainy, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's smart people talking to smart people. It's 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 not a mainstream movie. It really isn't. The irony is that Beast of No Nation, in some ways, feels feels like it is by comparison because there's something more immediate about it, and also something more accessible about the plight of a child. That it's it's hard to compare those movies, but I would say that there's maybe a, even a bigger audience for what Beast of No Nation has to offer up than Steve Jobs, and that really just speaks to the complexity of our current climate for for how we watch movies. But um, no kidding, and then and then it's interesting too. There was some you know the other the other alternative uh, paradigm shifter, of course, is is Amazon. And the fact that that there was some uh, concern and debate and, and speculation about they picked up this Spike Lee movie, Chirac, that was supposed to come out in the fall. And, uh, we, you know, they weren't talking about that. They weren't saying when it was going to come out. They didn't book it in any festivals or anything. And so um, now it turns out that it's going to get a theatrical release. Uh, they're they're going to make a deal with, with Roadside. With Lionsgate Roadside to release it in early December. So we have yet another fall season movie to take into consideration. I mean, having seen Spike's the last couple of movies, I would be shocked if this one really ended up being an award season player, and I only say that just because I don't think he plays that game, and I don't think a musical about gang violence in Chicago from Spike Lee is necessarily the kind of movie that's going to generate that sort of 
you know, unanimity and uh, excitement. Yeah, but, but why? I, there's only one reason to put it out in December. There's only one reason to, you know, you're th- basically when you pick a date like that, if you're a distributor, you're throwing down the gauntlet. You're saying this is this is an awards movie. They wouldn't do it for any other reason because it's too expensive and crowded. And already the truth of the matter is that Steve Jobs got killed partly because these so many, there's so many other movies doing so well. And the market has, is as crowded as I have ever seen it. I mean, the Martian was number one for the fourth week in a row the uh you know goosebumps was doing well bridge of spies was doing well the last witch hunter hotel transylvania and paranormal activity all came in ahead of of steve jobs which actually beat crimson peak that was as well as it did well you that's kind of cool too because i really like crimson peak so any kind of small triumph that one can get is, is probably worth it anyway steve jobs can take the hit better but uh, I don't know. I mean, this throwing down the gauntlet thing that you're saying. I mean, are why they... would you go? Why would you open on December? Well, 4th? there. I mean, there might be something there in terms of the music, or in terms of a performance, or something to that effect. I also just wonder if this movie sounds kind of nuts in maybe great ways. I've enjoyed lots of ingredients. Uh, from Spike's last couple of movies, including The Sweet Blood of Jesus, which had a lot of rough edges but felt like it was just trying to be just rough and extreme and gritty and try- and say something very immediate about our society, and that's, that's what Spike's great at doing. And maybe they just think that, well, if it's going to get any attention, this is the time to position it that way. Don't forget that Amazon has not done anything like this before and roadside is not somebody who tends to throw down the gauntlet in a huge way during award season right no I mean, they're not they pick their shots they know exactly uh what they can get now this is obviously a service deal this is one of those situations where amazon is picking up the p the p the, the, the cost of the p a and all of that and and uh you know so it's not it i'll i'm i i need to know more let's just put it that way well, we need to see the movie. I mean, there there are all kinds of questions around that. Is this going to sneak into AFI in the coming weeks or something to that effect? They would have announced that by now, I would imagine. But, yeah, let's see what happens. My understanding, just from, because I know that there are distributors who have seen this movie before this deal was finalized, is just that it's it's a very difficult movie. It's, it's really wild. And maybe that's a great thing. And Spike himself is this sort of one-man army in terms of publicity and in terms of platform. There's controversy around it. I mean, he had a public spat with Rahm Emanuel over the title. So there's all kinds of reasons why this could be a real talking point. Not to mention the fact that maybe there's something about counter-programming in the specialty market that we aren't really thinking about. I mean, could people get sick of the more kind of vanilla awards movies? Would they prefer Chirac to The Martian in that respect? I highly doubt it. <laughs> but in December, Martian isn't going to be a factor. There's going to be a bunch of new movies coming into play, and and it's going to continue to be extremely crowded and extremely expensive because that's the point. You spend money to support a movie like that. And if Bob Burney knows what he's doing, which he does, I, I will argue that you know whatever gauntlet they're throwing down, they're going to throw money at it. To make it successful, so well, let's let's see what happens. But to go back to the Martian for a minute, I mean, last week you said it, you're still very certain that this movie keeps picking up steam. It's done 
very well. Uh, people like it from Academy members to uh, the just general moviegoers for all kinds of different reasons. We're one week away from the movie that has been said to have the most traction in award season so far, which is Spotlight, actually coming out. Is it coming out into a climate where you think Martian is still a frontrunner? I mean, it it seems almost strange to deem it that way because it's it's a big budget blockbuster. I mean, we don't. It's not a gravity. It doesn't feel like a boundary breaking achievement in that. Neither respect. did Argo. Hmm. But it I has some of the assets of Argo. Here's there's several different narratives. One is the Ridley Scott narrative. This is a an A list you know, master uh, filmmaker that, that, you know, people are, are in his seventies who people are very fond of, you know, he's popular and, and respected. And this is the best movie he's made probably since Black Hawk Down. So that's a while ago. Um, and it's, it's a movie where, where Matt Damon gives one of the best performances he's ever given. It's an incredibly well-mounted movie. It's a, it's very well written by Drew Goddard adapted from the novel. It, it makes people feel good about themselves, about American ingenuity, about our ability to 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 figure things out and 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 get and, and survive. It is it is a very popular movie. Now, what I'm saying, it's gonna it's one of the front runners for Best Picture, and one of the reasons is that I'm going through all the categories. I'm figuring out what are the different nominations that it could get, you know, when they're announced, and I'm thinking maybe nine. That's a lot. That That's why I think it's a strong contender. Now, Chris Tapley over at Variety thinks it's five or six. He's less optimistic than I am. We will see. It's going to depend on if Spotlight could take off. I love Spotlight. I, I think it's a very strong contender. I think it's 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 going to be very well liked. But I, you yourself made the point that it was a small movie. How many nominations movie. is it going to get? It's going yeah. to be liked by the actors and the writers and maybe the directors. And it's a platform release, so it's going to open limited next weekend, and then depending on that performance, they'll kind of figure out how, how wide they want to go with it, and it's, word of mouth will be an interesting thing to track for this one, just because whereas certain kinds of special interest groups might like the movie, it's, it's harder to imagine how the rest of the country might respond. I think they're going to respond with a great deal of outrage because I don't see any how anyone couldn't respond that way. You know, this is a horrifying story, and it, it celebrates the journalists who brought it to light. You know, and it reminds us that this story was hidden, and 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 that these people, these the, the people who were who were uh, preying on children, were were protected by the church. So this that whole thing makes people crazy, makes people very angry. And I think that's the reason this movie has gravitas, perhaps, that The Martian lacks. That's going to be an interesting question, which way uh, the wind will blow. But then we have The Revenant and uh, Joy and, and Hateful Eight coming up. Oh, uh, probably probably going to be on. revealed. They're going to be revealed probably over Thanksgiving weekend. We'll that's usually the latest. Enough. I mean, I... I, I mean, because we ha- we, we, they have to screen them before... You people and your critics groups you vote. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, and also uh, I just feel like by the time those movies come around, we, ha- we have so many different possibilities to consider already. The funny thing about award season is that, I, I, for me anyway, I end up working within these limited possibilities and, and I choose the less obvious options. But if I were to root for a movie right now, it would probably be 
Beasts of No Nation or Mad Max to gain some traction as a result of this very bizarre kind of open field that we're looking at. Which is why I'm going to have to get off this call because I have to run over to a hotel and talk to George Miller, who is on the campaign trail as we speak. He's in town and uh, he and his his people are pushing hard, um, as 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 are the Martian people and the suffragette people, which unfortunately had a very bad weekend at the box office um, and looks like it may be in a sort of strident feminist uh, you know, sidelined yeah. place, which is really disturbing to me because I, I think it deserves to be seen. Well, maybe Tangerine is the movie that should benefit from being slotted in that sense. I mean, that's a movie about transgender prostitutes in L.A. So. Which is going to do very well at the Independent Spirit <laughs> Awards, as we've discussed. So you're saying it's not a dark horse. No, picture. it's not. And I, I don't want it to be um, sidelined at all. I love the movie and I'm going to put it on my 10 best list. I just know that, you know, you, you're, you know, you're looking at a group of people that you know who they are and what they like and what they're going to look at and and how how far a movie can go. And I'm afraid that an iPhone movie uh, with with non pros in, in this in this world isn't going to go very far. Well, before you speed off to talk to George Miller, the one movie we haven't talked about is is a significant one that's opening this week, which is Trumbo, from the Bleecker Street company that released uh, Beast of No Nation theatrically. I assume this one's poised to do better in theaters than Beast of No Nation did. But it might do well. I actually think I think it'll do well with the art house uh, crowd. I, I I played it at my class last night, and it played uh, very well. Um, and I think that um, there was a, there was also a, a big premiere a, a couple nights ago that where it played well, and and I think. Uh, I think I, I'm not I'm not sure that it's it's going to be uh, a complete Oscar winner. But I if it does well with critics and which I think will be mixed, if it does well with critics and box office, then it has a chance of getting something. Maybe Helen Mirren in supporting or something like that. She's really well, good. Don't head people of love Brian Cranston? I mean, everybody's seen Breaking Bad at this point. Does he have a shot in the Best Actor field? It's just too competitive. I just, I just don't see it. I, I think the movie is, especially in Hollywood, it, it plays well. It, it's, a, it's a show business story that reminds people of a horrifying period, and uh, the people in the Academy, many of them, are old enough to remember it, so they're going to respond. Um, what will will you critics are will have to be a part of the process of praising? I mean, are you are you praising his performance? I haven't seen Trumbo yet. I'll be making my decision soon enough. But obviously, the challenge in this environment is that the expectations are are so extreme that it's it's difficult to sort of sift through all these kinds of possibilities at this juncture. I mean, my my immediate sensibility is that I just want to root for the little guys or the people who have already done things that are exciting to me rather than trying to fold this particular performance into this you know, very complicated narrative when it's not even a movie that I'm particularly excited about in the most obvious sense, but I've, I've got to see it and check it out. I mean, look, I was pleasantly surprised last week by Straight Outta Compton, so I'm happy to revisit this conversation next week and completely change things around in that respect, though I'll probably still be pushing for Tangerine. So. I love Straight Outta Compton, and I hope it gets, you know, I think it could get a sound mixing The uh, award screen is going out. 
That and we got our nice. we got our uh, we straight got out Andy Wire bags. <laughs> we got tote bags that say straight out Andy Wire. So that sounds like a winner in my book. Next week we'll reconvene and we'll have a whole new batch of things to consider. We can go over Trumbo and maybe I'll even have a strong opinion or two to offer up on that. So uh, love drive, to debate it with you. Drive safely in and say hi Thank to George you. for us. Will do. Bye. Mm-hmm.